Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Adibi IP Group Live Innovators Q&A with Amir and Victoria. This is your daily live Q&A show coming at you every Monday through Friday. This is episode number 42. We've been creating a lot of awesome content, very helpful start to finish on how to file trademark applications on your clothing brand. Uh, we've gone through all intent to use variations for individual and companies and for uh, for intent to use applications. And yesterday we wrapped up, uh, actually I'll let Victoria tell us what we did yesterday. Um, yesterday, you talked about how to file a TS standard application to protect um, the company's logo on face masks. Awesome. And so what we're going to start doing today is we're going to be covering how an individual could file actual use applications uh, for clothing brands. So, okay, well, let's get started. Um, so we're going to use the same image uh, that we were using before, but we're going to file it from an individual's perspective. So what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna start off by going to the filing page, which I have here. Um, now we're gonna do a word mark today. There's a lot of good reasons why you might wanna protect uh, the, the words on your clothing. It can be, it can even actually be a slogan. As you can see, this version actually is, also has a, slow, has, has a slogan in it. So it's the DBIP group. Uh, protecting innovators mark here it's on, on the upper left here on, on this live cast so the first things for, to do is go to the the page so let me share my screen i'm actually going to start just from a google search so in case you forget forget the website all you have to do is type in uspto file and trademark and it'll be the first hit apply online so once you click here, you're going to want to click on initial application forms. Now, one thing I'm going to point out is that you don't act, uh, you, you have to be logged in in order for, for this to work. So I logged in beforehand. So when I click start your application in TS, it's going to take me directly into this page. Now, again, if you don't have a USPTO.gov account, it's a really, really easy to make. It's really easy to, to create. Um, but once you make that account, you'll be able to log in and get to this page, okay? But you won't be able to get into this page until you actually create a USPTO.gov account. So we're going to do the, do you want to do the TS Plus or the TS Standard application today, Victoria? Um, let's do the Plus today. Awesome. Okay, so the TS Plus application is $50 cheaper than the TS Standard. It's $225 instead of $275. However, as we're going to see as we do this application, uh, the TS Plus gives you less options for actually entering in the goods and services description with your for your mark. So we're gonna do it from the perspective, again, of an individual. So this is your clothing brand that you're selling and putting out on the market, and we're gonna do TS Plus. So we're gonna click continue. Now the, the first bit is to get the ownership. So the owner of the mark in this case is gonna be an individual, namely me. So you're gonna enter in your name. Uh, you do have to indicate your citizenship. When you click individual, it's gonna prompt you to do so. So we're gonna pick United States, and your mailing address. Now remember, this is a, actually all public record, so keep that in mind. Um, I have a co-working space that I'm gonna use uh, just to keep my information a little more private, so just keep that in mind. Now, if you would like, you can also enter your domicile. The, you just have to uncheck this box here, and when you enter in this box here, it's gonna remain confidential, so keep that in mind. That's one, 
one possibility is you could, if you wanted to enter a domicile address, you could do it right here. But I'm gonna uncheck this box. Now, uh, you do need to input an email address. So I'm gonna just use my work email. Um, but again, email address is required. Phone number is, is not required. However, when, if I fail to enter a phone number, I'm gonna get a warning, okay? So just keep that in mind. Um, again, if you have a website, you can upload it. You can enter it in here in this box. So I'm gonna go ahead and click continue. And once I get to the next page, it's gonna give me this warning, a telephone number has not been entered. But remember, my email address has been entered. So with that, the examiner will be able to contact me if, if, they, are, if they want to. So here we're gonna enter in. Uh, so let me show you the mark that we're gonna be doing today. So it is a mark on this face mask. Let me do open link and new tab. There we go, okay. So I, in this hypothetical example, I'm selling this mark right here. So I'm gonna try to protect the text on the logo. So DBIP group. Um, so that's my, that's my brand that I wanna protect. Um, the protecting innovators bit, I could actually also include. That's essentially a bit of a slogan. So that's acceptable. Uh, so I'm gonna go with a standard character mark. Remember, this is a section 1A application. This is how you would do a, a full application. The section 1A applications, remember, turn into actual registered marks. So just keep that in mind, assuming assuming they pass through the examination stage and publication stage. So we're going to go ahead and click add goods and services. Now remember, we're doing the TS plus application. So we're actually going to be a little limited. All right, so we're going to click search and we're going to type in face mask. And we're going to notice right away uh, that we're actually quite limited in terms of our options here. So here we have toys, here we have swimming. Um, basically protective gear is gonna be under class nine and then medical related gear is gonna be in class 10. And then there's this play thing, play, toys are usually in class 28. So just keep that in mind. Um, we're obviously gonna be in this headwear gear right here. So knit, knit face mask being headwear. Um, again, not really my preference. Uh, it would have, if I was following this, truly following this for myself, I would have selected um, the standard application. That way I could describe my face mask the way I want to describe them. I think that's worth the extra 50 bucks. So we're gonna click insert checked entries and then we proceed to the next step of the application which is to assign the filing basis. So remember, in order to file a section 1A application you have to submit your proof of use in commerce at the stage of filing. So for intent to use applications you do not have to do that. However, for intent to use applications eventually after you, you go through examination, after you go through the publication period, you'll get a notice of allowance. And at the notice of allowance stage, you're gonna have to submit proof that you're using your mark in commerce. So just keep that in mind. Eventually to get a registered mark on the principal register, you're gonna have to show proof of use in commerce. Now, the section 1A application, you do it all up front. For the section 1B application, you're gonna do it later, assuming you haven't started using your mark in commerce yet. So this could be labels, again, packaging. We, we did a whole episode on uh, what acceptable specimens are. Um, actually, I think we did two, didn't we? I think we did two episodes. Um, so we're gonna click section 1A today. So we're, we're gonna actually have to submit our proof of use, but remember, uh, here's a face mask. So all you have to do is show a specimen for one type of good. In this case here, but, but for each class, okay? So remember that. So if I had selected class nine, I would have to submit proof that I had submitted a class nine specimen. So again, the text appears on the upper right or upper left of the face mask. 
Um, and so all we have to do is submit this image and that should be an acceptable specimen because it's stitched to the goods itself. So we're gonna click attach specimen. I've obviously I've prepped this beforehand, but remember acceptable specimens are PDFs or JPEGs. So keep that in mind. In this case, I am going to upload my JPEG. Uh, here we go. So it's a JPEG of the specimen and I'm gonna click attach and it's attached. So you have to make sure that it actually shows up here. Otherwise, if it did not, that means it did not attach correctly. But here, we're good. It's been attached. So we're going to click return to form. Now we have to write a short description of what the specimen is. So in this case, we're going to type in a photograph showing the applied for goods bearing the mark on a label stitched to the goods. There's our description. And first use, I'm just going to say, the first use of the mark anywhere, I'm just going to say 0106 2020. And first use in commerce, I'm going to do everyone's favorite, tax day 415 2020. Okay. So once I click assign filing basis, um, we're going to get to this stage here. And once we're here, we know we are almost all the way there. So we're going to click continue. Um, we, so now we've, we've shown ownership, we've, we've shown the specimen and the mark. Um, so we're, we're halfway done. So here I'm just going to enter in docket number. This is just for internal tracking purposes. In the email addresses section, remember, you can enter up to four email addresses. So I highly encourage you guys to upload your if you have assistance or team or anyone who's, who helps you uh, manage or keep track. It could be a business partner, assistant, uh, whoever it may be. In this case, I'm going to put Victoria. Uh, so, Victoria, let's see, let's put her in her email. And click continue. Now remember, you can enter multiple, multiple addresses if you want here. Just have to separate them by commas or semicolons. Um, okay, so we're going to sign this application directly. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to select. So, the first uh, the first checkbox is just saying, you understand this is a section 1A application, meaning that you're already using your mark in commerce. So just keep that in mind. Um, this is, if it was section 1B, it's actually the same checkbox. This actually, this whole section here is the same for both section 1A and section 1B applications. So just keep that in mind. Now, the second checkbox is just saying that to the best of our knowledge, we have a right to use this mark. So there isn't a prior user that we know of. This third checkbox here is saying that we have a there's factual support for the statements that we make in this application. So for this case, factual support would be, well, here's, this is a true and correct copy of a photograph of one of my face masks. So this fourth checkbox basically is saying that you are signing under penalty of perjury. So you understand that any false statements could result in fine or imprisonment. So here we sign our name. TS makes it really easy. All you have to do is enter your name within flashes. That's kind of weird. I'm not sure why that popped up. And then it auto fills the date. Uh, if you don't fill, if you don't include slashes in here, if you, if you miss one, for example, you're going to get a warning and it's actually not going to let you validate the application. So keep that in mind. You have to actually um, include your signature within slashes for this to be valid validation and valid signature. So uh, again, name, we're going to enter in last name, first name, same format. And then position, in this case, I'm just going to say owner. Um, in past episodes, we were doing it on behalf of our company. So in this case, we're doing it on behalf of ourselves. So we're actually the individuals that are putting this onto the market. So we're going to call, we're, so we're the owner. 
And for our phone number, again, uh, remember this is public record, so you're gonna want to consider that, of course, whenever you upload your phone number. So just keep that in mind. Um, now, here, this is the last page. So this gives you an opportunity to actually review the application and to make sure that everything is correct. So we're gonna click input and we're actually gonna read through it, make sure everything looks good. So here's the mark. Oh, you can't see it actually. Um, however, um, you can't see it. When you click that button, what it does is it pops up a dialogue. But the way I have it shared in this live live share, um, I doesn't show dialogues. But there's another page where you will be able to see the mark. Again, this is the literal element of the mark. Um, and remember, it's a it's a word mark. Um, but the system, the TS system, actually creates an image out of it as well. So uh, we're not claiming color as a feature of the mark. We're not claiming font style or size. This is our contact information. This is our email address. Uh, this, so I'm an individual. This is my citizenship. And again, this is the Section 1A information. So this is the this is the proof that you're actually using the mark in commerce. These are the two dates that you have to provide: first use anywhere and the first use of uh, in commerce. Now, I didn't talk about this before, but it's worth mentioning right now. The first use anywhere date. Sometimes people use the date they first buy a domain name. Uh, or or create a brochure, whatever it may be, the first date that they hold, that they put that name out there, not necessarily tied to a good or service, not necessarily in relation to a direct sale, but the first day that they actually start using that name and put it out in the world. The first use in commerce, on the other hand, it's really important to get this date right. So this is the date that you first use the mark to sell your goods or services in interstate commerce. So remember, the best best proof of that, it would be a receipt to an out-of-state customer. So that's really important to understand that. Now, uh, this description, again, if the examiner has an issue with your specimen description, um, then they'll come back at you and they'll want you to update that. Uh, but this specimen should be acceptable because it's a face mask and has a label that's stitched to the goods. So I, I don't foresee any issue with this particular specimen. Now. Um, Here's our name, here's our docket information, our email address. Now remember the TS Plus, so we save 50 bucks, so keep that in mind. So the TS Plus is a little cheaper, however, we have less latitude. So we're stuck with this canned description, the knit face mask being headwear. Uh, I, don't, I don't particularly like it, I don't think Victoria likes it either, but you know, buys you a couple lunches. All right, so here is our signature information. We're validated, so now we all have to do is go back now remember, if anything is wrong with this application, all we had to do was click on go back to modify and we'd be actually be able to modify our application. So keep that in mind. Um, any mistakes, TS keeps a session of your entire application. So it's really easy to go back and forth and make modifications. Now we're gonna click on the mark button. Um, so here you go. This is the image version of the word mark of the text um, for our application. So I'm gonna click go back here. Uh, we, we can check, take a look at our specimen, and here it is. So here's a, it's a JPEG, here's the photograph, uh, and we're going to click go back, and now we're, we're good to go. So our application is ready to be submitted. Now, this last checkbox, I just want to reiterate, the reason why they have this checkbox here is because they want to make it clear that there are no changes allowed to the application to the word, uh, sorry, you can make amendments to the application, but you can't make changes to the actual word that you're submitting. So for example, if I do not actually want to have 
this part of the slogan, the protecting innovators bit, I cannot change that after I submit. So just keep that in mind. Um, yeah, and one thing that I forgot to iterate uh, in the last couple episodes is you can also save the form. So you're allowed to actually save this form um, if you need to. Uh, and then you can you can upload what's called a, it'll give you what's called a dot obj file and then you can upload that dot obj file in the future to add it um to the application to, to sorry sorry to upload it to the ts system and it'll upload the application and then you can go through it make changes and submit so if we wanted to we could download it save it and then file it tomorrow all right so i'm going to click pay submit we're all done with our application um and when we do that we're going to be taken to the payment page um, once you pay for this application, it, you will get, you will be able to download a PDF of the application and you will have a serial number. That serial number will be tied to that application throughout the entire, uh, prosecution process and will also be used to identify your registered mark post-registration. So just keep that in mind. So we're going to click the credit card and we're going to upload our put, input, our credit card information. Again, it's 225. Um, and once we enter in our information or address and, and click pay submit, uh, we're going to again, get to that page where we can download the application. So that is how you file an application from start to finish guys. Um, so that's the TS plus application for an individual on a word mark, start to finish guys. This is a really useful content. I know a lot of you guys have brands out there that you may want to protect. This is how you do it. Class 25, clothing and apparel. Um, yeah, there's, I, I mentioned before earlier, but clothing and apparel uh, is, is a very broad class and it covers headwear. So face mask, would, this is how you do it for your face mask. Um, now, one thing that I want to stress so often, so often we get, uh, we get contacts from our client just because they get junk mail. Uh, it's worth mentioning. If you, if I do a quick share screen, um, let me share my screen again. If you Google misleading notices and USPTO, USPTO has a whole page dedicated to this. Uh, so this is a, actually a really, really useful thing to, to note. Um, there are a lot of scams out there uh, where they actually send you an invoice uh, for some made up fee that's not even owing or due. So keep that in mind. Um, so after you submit, you're probably gonna get this piece of junk mail. Uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna start internally telling all our all of our clients at least about this because it's it's really, and, and, and new ones pop up all the time. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so let's see, uh, do we have anyone on deck, Victoria? I'm currently getting an answer. Oh, um, he can do that in 15 minutes. Apparently. 15, 15, 15. I can keep explaining. <laughs> or we can call it and, and do it uh, another time. Um, it's 9.30. Um, let's see. I think, yeah, I think we, we have to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, but I do. I he said, he said he could be ready in five minutes, apparently. Let's do it. Let's do it. Tell him to come on when he can. Um, yeah, because 
you have no idea, Victoria. It, it's crazy. So we have so many people that get these these notices here, um, and every single time it results in a text message. So we can actually go through some of them. The one that the one that I'm that I'm that I get all the time that I get asked about is WTP. Uh, let me let me show you right here, Miami, Florida. Uh, if you click on it, they actually have a sample. Um, so this is a very, very common one, WTP. Um, but I mean, look at it. Like, doesn't it look real to you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it looks very official. Uh, it, except for the fact that it's coming from Florida. <laughs> so this is something to look out for. Um, and, and they always want some exorbitant fee for some, something that's made up. In this case, okay, so in this case, they're basically saying that you have to pay this money if you want your application to, to be published, to be registered. So I've seen WTP. Um, some of them, though, are, are actually in DC, and, and th those, those really throw off people, like this one, Washington, DC. People forget that the trademark office is in Alexandria, Virginia, but truth is, um, if it, I could totally, I would totally have made that mistake if I didn't become a patent attorney and didn't know that the office was in Alexandria, Virginia. You would think, oh yeah, DC, you know, that's where the capital is. Makes a lot of sense. Um, there's another one also. Yeah, W, WTR. Oh boy, eh, some of these look really, really bad. Um, Wow, Pat. See, I, see, I haven't, I haven't uh, seen the full scope of all of them. Um, but for some reason, maybe it's regional because a lot of our California clients get the WTP version of this nonsense. Yeah, we can click on some more of them. Um, but oh boy, it's misleading. And you and it's always a text message, and I'm just like, why are you sending me your junk mail? <laughs> uh, so what what's coming in future episodes, Victoria? Um, I know that at some point <laughs> you said that we were going to look at wrenches and the colors on the wrenches. Yes, yes, three D three dimensional configuration marks. Um, we're definitely going to be doing a lot on that. Um, I think that actually is going to be an awesome subject for this show. Uh, it's going to give us an opportunity to really show the true power of trademarks because trademarks, they last forever as long as you use them, that is. As long as you're able to maintain the brand and, and maintain the, the and maintain it as a source identifier, you're, you're good. You're, it'll go forever. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, I so in this show we've been doing start to finish. I mentioned this before earlier. Uh, trademark applications on in, on clothing, intent to use. We did the whole the whole series of combinations for logos and designs for TS Plus and TS Standard, and then for intent to use and actual use. So uh, we are in the process though of finishing the individual actual use applications. So. Those will be, um, I think. I think those will be really useful pieces of content. And then there, there's always going to be some variation of it that's going to speak to somebody because there might be someone who wants to pursue us uh, the clothing on something that they haven't yet started selling, and they want to do the 20, 
$225 version of it. Well, we're going to have a piece of content that's squarely on point for that particular individual. Um, and again, it, it's, I mean, it's always great to see counsel and try to get assistance. Um, but uh, even just knowing what the entire process is from start to finish, that's extremely, extremely valuable because you, not only will you have all the information that your counselor needs to help prepare your application, but it will also make it so that if you really just want to try doing it yourself, you can. So, and it's, it's, it's a good guide. It's a really good guide. Um, yeah. So a little more though, I, I try to, I try to explain this over and over again, but it's, it's, and it's kind of confusing. Um, but after you submit the trademark application for both actual use and intent to use applications, they go through the exactly the same cycle. So they get assigned an examiner and the examiner reviews the application. So it, the examiner is going to make sure that there aren't other marks that might create a likelihood of confusion if, it, if your mark is registered. So they do a likelihood of confusion analysis. They do a merely descriptive analysis. So if you're, uh, if you're selling wall chargers, your brand name can't be wall chargers because that describes what you're selling, right? So they, they make sure that it's not merely descriptive. They make sure that your specimen is acceptable. Um, yeah, one of the issues that, that's come actually, that came up in my head when I actually showed the specimen for this show um, was having the actual the actual mark on the front of the goods. So if I wear that face mask, uh, I don't have one. Oh, I I do I do have one. So this is the uh, this is the yellow version. But if you wear the if you wear the mask, um, and you actually have the uh, the mark on the front of the mask. Wait, is it here? Yeah. Um, this could be interpreted as decorative use and. Decorative, if it's if it's decorative, um, that would technically not suffice as a source identifier. So that's another thing that the examiner checks for and something that you, we have to be cognizant of whenever we prepare our specimens. So you want to actually make sure that your specimen. Um, so if this was if this was larger and more front and center, so really, really prominent, that would make it more likely to be to get a likelihood of to get a refusal based on decorative and not not an actual specimen. So the fact that though in this case that it was up on the corner um, and it was actually stitched onto the onto the fabric, um, that makes it so that it's more likely to not get that refusal. Um, so it goes through this process, the examiner looks at it, examines it, and then the examiner is going to then based on that examination, uh, enter what's called an office action. So they might say, hey, here's this other mark that looks really similar or, 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 <clears throat> Their office action is just saying, we're moving this application towards publication. Um, that's the best scenario. That's what you want. You want the, the mark to move to publication. You don't want them to raise any, create any refusals or rejections uh, or re require you to submit new things like new specimens. So keep that in mind. Um, but once you, for both intent to use applications and actual use applications, everything that I've described is identical for both actual use and intent to use. But what what where they diverge is after publication. So there's a one month publication period. Do we do an episode on publication periods already, Victoria? I don't think so. I don't think we have. Yeah, we should do one on that. But when it gets to the publication period stage, um, any anyone can oppose registration of the mark. So Victoria, you could you could say, you know what, uh, I oppose registration of that DBIP group mark because um, I have a Victoria IP group, and that that sounds really close to a DBIP group. So I have, a, I have an issue with your mark, and so I'm going to oppose registration of it. Um, there's other bases for uh, opposing registration of marks. 
but that's one of them. Uh, so if you have a similarly sounding mark on the marketplace that you're using to sell also clothing and apparel, so similar channel of goods, that could be the basis for you to enter uh, an opposition, what's called an opposition proceeding. So you have one month to file the opposition, but you can take extensions for up to six months. So uh, we, we can, we're going to create content around oppositions, uh, but there's, all, there's a whole slew of reasons for why people do it. But timing, timing is key. So it's a lot. So, so you want to oppose the mark, uh, obviously, before it actually gets registered or and after it gets allowed, because it becomes more difficult to get it registered if it's during the publication period. So um, that's in a nutshell, though, that's a quick summary. So it, it's there's examination, publication, and then after publication, that's where we really di diverge. So that's where the intent to use applications and actual use applications take different directions. So in, for the actual use application, so the application that we did today, that mark would actually get registered on the federal register, uh, the, what's called a principal register. There's actually, there's two registers, there's a supplemental register and a principal register. Um, we're going to, I'll, we're going to create a video on supplemental register because that's actually really interesting. And there's some marks like the merely descriptive marks where you have a shot at having it registered on the principal, on the supplemental register, but not necessarily the supplemental, uh, sorry, not necessarily the principal register. So, uh, anyways, after the publication period, an intent to use application does not get registered on the principal register until you submit what's called a statement of use. So you get six months after the notice of allowance to submit the statement of use. So you survive, you, you'd survive the entire application process. The examiner gave, gave the, the, the market stamp of approval. Um, and then you are at the publication phase. You survive the one month publication phase, or if someone files an extension, you survive whatever, whatever that six month, however long the publication period is, you survive it. Then you get your notice of allowance. So once you get your notice of allowance, then you have to submit your statement of use. However, um, in a sense, I've already shown you guys how to submit statements of use because I've already shown you guys how to submit uh, how to how to submit a Section One A application. And so the statement of use section is actually identical to the specimen section, where you indicate um, the, your the, the, the what the, you upload your your image, you upload the description of what the what the specimen is showing, and you provide the two critical dates: date of first use anywhere and date of first use in commerce. So. That, that is essentially what a statement of use is. And you have to submit a fee, actually. So there's a $100 fee per class. Um, interestingly, the extension fee is $125. So it's actually $25 cheaper. So I, I didn't mention extensions just now, but you can, if you need more time to actually start selling your mark, so if you need more time uh, before you actually enter the marketplace, all you have to do is submit what's called an extension of time. So you can submit up to six extension, sorry, up to five extensions of time. So you get first buys you six months, the next one buys you six months, the next one buys, buys you six months. So if you need, you can get up to three years to actually start using your mark in commerce. So it's a really good idea if, you, if, you are, if you're serious about in investing a ton of resources and money in your brand, um, but you don't want to do it until you know you can get it, then intent to use application is great because after you get it, you can essentially keep it. And once you're ready to start that new hoodie company, uh, then you can go all in especially knowing that, hey, you have this market intent to use, you're good, you're good to go. So uh, really, really great tool. And it, it's, but, but again, it is costly and you do have to, there's administration costs, right? Because you have to make sure that you keep track of these six month dates, right? So 
issues on June 1, 12 1, you're going to, you're going to have to submit your first extension of time. Right. Um, and then statements of use again, uh, they're $100, they're 25 bucks cheaper, but you actually have to have uh, actual use in commerce. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, so that's basically a general overview of the entire trademarking process. Um, once you get the registered mark, you get a nice fancy certificate. Um, and actually we've done several videos on how to pay maintenance fees or renewals. So it's a, it's a relatively straightforward thing to do. But of course, there's always administration and you always have to keep track of all these dates. So it's important to keep that in mind. Um, yeah, again, I just wanted to reiterate, we have a, a phone number here. If you guys have any questions related to intellectual property, you can reach us at 415-943-5193. This is our direct, my direct line, my direct number. Um, so feel free to text message any questions you have. We'll get you on the show. We'll get your questions answered. Um, and if you guys have any questions for Victoria, you can always send them her way. If you want to be on the show, just email her, victoria to dbip.com. Um, anything, anything related to intellectual property, uh, we're here to provide you guys thorough and complete answers to your IP questions. So thank you so much and have an awesome, awesome weekend. And we will see you guys on Monday. Yes, thank you. Victoria. Should I? Yeah.